So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Genesis. Very easy to find. First book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 39. Genesis 39 and verse 2, the Bible says this, and it says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask, Lord, for your hand upon, Lord God, this message, Father, that you would use me as a vessel, as a mouthpiece, Lord, for your word. Help me to decrease, Father, that you would increase. Lord, I pray for salvation this morning. I pray that there are ears to hear your word this morning. And Father, that we would apply your word into our lives, and in that, we will see true blessings. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. The church says, amen and amen. The Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. In verse 3 of Genesis 39, it says this. It says, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, owned the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. I titled this message this morning, God Wants Me to Prosper. I want you to say that, God wants me to prosper. Say that again and believe it. God wants me to prosper. See, the Bible says that the Lord was with him, which brings me to the first point. You see, the, the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. You need to write that down. The key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. The Bible says the Lord was with him, so he prospered. Because the Lord was with Joseph, the Bible says, it was because of his presence that Joseph prospered. Would that be okay with you? That whatever you did, it prospered? Would that be okay with you, church? That whatever, that whatever, you, whatever you said was anointed, it was God-led. Every decision you made, it was, it was successful. Would you be okay with that? I know each and every one of us would. Of course. See, the word prosperity is not a bad word. Look at Genesis 26, verse 12. Genesis 26, 12, the Bible says this. It says, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Now I want you to see here how the Lord shies away from using the word prosper. Verse 13. And, he says, and it says this, 
And Isaac began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. You can see how God doesn't like to use that word, right? Oh, God wants us to be prosperous. I believe that God wants us to be prosperous in everything that we do. And I'm not talking about this prosperity teaching that, that, that doesn't address sin. <laughs> that doesn't mention the need for repentance. That's not what I'm talking about here. I believe God wants to make us prosperous or successful in soul winning. He wants to make us prosperous in our marriages, husband and wives. He wants to make you prosperous in raising godly children. Do you believe that? He wants to also make you prosperous in your career, in your finances. I believe he does. Why? Because he uses this so that we can bless others. God wants to make you prosperous so that you can prosper someone else. He wants to bless you so that you can bless others. God doesn't want his children to not have because if they don't have, how can they give to others? This is, this is simple, simple uh, uh, things to understand here. Those who have, have things that, to give. And God wants us to be able to give to others. And so God wants us to prosper. The word prosperity in the Hebrew means to push forward. Say that, push forward. See, if we, are, if we walk with God... If we are in his presence, we will prosper. Why? Because everything that God does prospers. <laughs> you see, if God is omnipresent, we know that God is everywhere at one time, right? We believe that. If we say that God is omnipresent everywhere at one time, then I ask this question, can we get out of his presence? The short answer is no. You cannot get out of God's presence. Why? Because he is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But what we are talking here today about is the manifest presence of God. You see, what does that mean? That means that when God's presence is made clear and convincing, when it becomes discernible, when you know that God is in this place, when you know that God is with you, when it is evident. Let me give you an example. You remember when King Nebuchadnezzar threw those three young men into the furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that? Remember that story? I know you guys weren't there, but I'm just saying, do you remember reading that in the Bible? <laughs> you guys are like, no, I didn't see that. <sighs> the king Nebuchadnezzar threw them in the furnace, and then he looks in the furnace and he says, 
whoa, 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 wait, to his advisors, he says, didn't we throw three men in the furnace? They were like, yeah, why? He says, well, I see four, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. Oh, man, I, I, got, I got chills just saying that. The fourth looks like the Son of God. What happened there? That means that what, what took place was the manifest presence of God in that furnace. You see, God was always there with the young man, wasn't he? He was always there with them. Why? Because they refused to bow down. They refused to, to, to obey man, and they continued to obey God. God was always with them, but God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at one time. So how come King Nebuchadnezzar was only seeing God at that time? Well, that's that manifest presence of God that we're talking about here this morning. When someone says, wow, that was God. I just saw God at work right now in my life, in their life. I just saw him. It is evident. It is clear. Genesis 39, verse 3, our text says, when his master saw, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, in his master's eyes, here on earth, and became his attendant. The Bible says that Joseph's master here on earth saw with his own eyes, that God was with him. It was evident. Are you receiving this, church? Because that's that manifest presence of God at work. You see, the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. Look at what God's word says about King Hezekiah in 2 Kings 18. The Bible says that King Hezekiah, became, he became king when he was 25 years old. 25 years old. The Bible says this. It says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. What does that mean? It says, well, he trusted in the Lord. What else does that mean? It says that he kept his commandments. Well, what else did he do? And it said, it said and the Lord was with him. He prospered wherever he went. Why? Because he trusted and obeyed God. The Bible says that every, every, everywhere he went, everything he did, he prospered. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. How many of you believe that our soul is going to prosper? It's going to prosper. Now it depends on where you choose to dwell. It's up to you. But your soul is going to prosper. It is going to move forward, as the Hebrew definition explains. This isn't the end. And if you don't know where your soul is going to end up after, after this life, 
then after this service, at the end of this service, you'll have an opportunity to accept Christ in your heart. That way you know you have confident assurance where you're going to go after this life. See, God would like to push you forward in ministry. He does. He wants to push you forward in ministry. He wants to push you forward in your marriage. He wants to push you forward in your family. He wants to push you forward in your career. He wants to push you forward. He wants you to prosper. See, but the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. And God, in his greatness, will make even the unbeliever see that he is with you and I. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't a believer, but he believed that day. I'll tell you that right now. That's what God does. He'll make even the unbeliever see that God is with you, that God is prospering you, that you have his favor following you. So if the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord, the next key that we need to write down today is that the key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. Ooh. Some of you are like, Pastor, this is where you lose me. I really love the presence of the Lord. Oh, I, was, I was good with this sermon. You should have just, just ended it right there. Why do we got to talk about o- obedience? I don't, I don't like this word. Deuteronomy 29 verse 9 says this, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 14.2, it says that King Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of God because of this, the Bible says, because of this, he had the presence and peace of God. 2 Chronicles 17 verse 3, it says the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he obeyed. You need to write that one down, 2 Chronicles 17, 3. If you want God's presence to be with you, I'm talking about the manifest presence of God to be with you. We know that God is everywhere, but we need his manifest presence in our life. We need others to see it as well. And if, you, and if that is to be evident in your life, then you need to be obedient. 1 Samuel 18, verse 14 says, And David behaved himself, I like that, And David behaved himself wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you got to be obedient. Ooh, man, that that was silent. That was like, you know. That was like one of those things where like you don't want to tell anyone else because you got to live it yourself first, right? Isn't that one of those things? Like, well, I don't want to be a hypocrite. <laughs> I don't want to tell them to obey when I don't obey myself. <laughs> look at what Moses writes in Deuteronomy 11, verse 26. And he says, look. He says, today I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. Man, that, if, if, <laughs> there's no more upfront than that, right? Look, today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a And a curse. I can't imagine any hands up saying, oh, I want a curse. (laughs) Right? He says, you will be blessed if you obey. Say that with me, obey. 
You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, but, but you will be cursed if you reject the commands. Say, don't disobey. You'll be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him. That's very plain and simple there. He says, obey and you'll be blessed. Disobey and you'll be rejected. It's the difference between a blessing and a curse. And the choice is ours, right? The choice is ours. We look in the mirror and say, hey, you have a choice, buddy. Do you want a blessing or do you want a curse? Do you want blessings over your house or do you want curses over your home? Do you want your children to be blessed or do you want to place that curse over their life because of disobedience? The choice is yours. Deuteronomy 13, 18 says, The Lord your God will be merciful only if you listen to his voice and keep all his commands that I am giving you today. You see, in fact, the message of the book of Deuteronomy is listening to God. It's obeying him and it's loving him with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. That's what the book, that's what the message is about. So if you want to succeed, you must obey. It doesn't mean that you're not going to experience the storms, but that, but that God will take you through the storms successfully. Job 36 verse 11 says that they, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they do not obey, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Proverbs 28 13 says, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. See, I believe in God's grace. I believe that God's grace is nothing that we've earned. But I also believe in obedience. And I also know that whenever I walk with God in obedience, I'm blessed. See, when we live in a wicked world, we know this, but when we walk with the Lord by obeying his commands, you have that covering over your life. It's kind of like that spiritual umbrella. It could be raining outside, but you have that umbrella that, that is your covering. Well, your covering is, is your obedience to God. You're covered. Doesn't matter what kind of world you live in. Doesn't matter what's taking place around you. You have that spiritual covering, covering you from the, from the curses and the storm. Why? Because of your obedience. So the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience, or the key to obedience is faith. Do you know why a farmer plants? Well, because he expects to get a reward in the end. He plants the seed because he expects a return. That's that faith, right? Believing that there's going to be a return for your investment. Believing that this is going to happen if I do this. Believing that God is true to his promises. How many know that God's word is full of promises? Now if you have faith, 
then you will believe that God, that, that God is true to his word and all those promises that he promises you and I will come to pass will take place in your life if you do your part. At home, one of our restrooms is a little far away from the water heater, the hot water heater, and so it takes a long time for it to get hot. And so in the morning, I'll run the hot water and leave it on for about a minute, and I have faith that it's going to get hot. <laughs> I do. I trust it. <laughs> Some of us have more faith in the hot water heater than we do in God. Some of us have an easier time believing that that water in your, from your sink is going to get hot than we do that God is going to be a, a, a God of his word. Oh, man, God, help us. God, help us. I know, that's, I know that hit home for someone this morning, that we trust in a hot water heater more than our creator. See, the problem is that we don't believe that there are rewards for obedience and there are consequences when we don't. Genesis 4, 7 says, you will be accepted. You will be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out because sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. He says, if you do, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, if you choose to disobey, then watch out. Because sin is at that door, waiting for you to slip up and say, gotcha, you're mine. The Bible says that you need to subdue it. You need to be its master. You need to, you need to uh, uh, ask God to uh, help you to control uh, even, even the thoughts in your mind. God, help me to, to put under submission this flesh. I don't want it to run me. I need to run it. And by your word, Lord, by your word, am I going to, am I going to rule over this flesh? Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted. Say that, God can be trusted. Say that again, God can be trusted. I believe you believe that one this morning. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. See, what's the promise for us, uh, 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 you know, not even youngsters, but even adults? What's the promise for us when we obey our parents? What does the Bible say? That we will live a long life that things will go well with us. The Bible promises that. That's a promise, that if you are obedient to your parents, that not only will you live a long life, but it will go well with you. And we trust God that he honors obedience. Listen to what Paul writes in, about Abraham in Romans 4, verse 20. He says, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. You see, we must have faith in God's right to rule. You need to have faith in that. Faith in the rightness of his commands. 
What does that mean? That whatever God is telling you to do, that he is correct. That it is the best way for your life. That if you, that if you are obedient to his instructions, then you will be living your best life that you can possibly live here on earth. If you are just obedient to him. See, your problem, our problem is not in our head, but it's in our heart. Hebrews 3.12 says this. It says, take heed, brethren, lest there, be any, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Psalm 14.1 says this. It says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14.1, the writer says, only fools say that there is no God. Because there is evidence everywhere that there is a God. So you would have to be an utter fool to claim that there is not. But it happens in the heart. The Bible says that this takes place in the heart. See, what does that mean? That means that it isn't, it isn't that you cannot believe. I've heard people say, you know, I wish I had the faith that you had. What do you mean you wish you had it? You choose not to have it. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like if someone's blocking you from receiving, from believing in God. No one's blocking you. You're blocking yourself. You've hardened your heart to the word of God. So it's not that we cannot believe, it's that we choose not to believe. Why? Because Christ gives faith to every man. He gives it to everyone. And what we need to do is accept it, to receive it and believe it. Hebrews 11.7 says, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. It took faith, the Bible says. It took trusting in God, knowing that, God, I know that you are true to your word so that if you spoke to me this, I'm just going to do it because I know that it's going to work out. I know that you are a God of his word. See, faith is not simply saying that you believe, but it also involves obedience. Faith that does not lead to obedience is not faith at all. You can say, I believe this and I believe that, but that's, that's good. But that's not faith. Faith is obedience. Faith is always followed by obedience. That genuine faith in God that not only creates that 
prompt response within each and every one of us, but that, but that it must be continuous. It's got to keep going. Remember, the choice is ours. So the key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. The key to the presence of the Lord is obedience. The key to obedience is faith. And the key to faith is hearing the word. The key to faith is hearing the word. Romans 10, 17 says this. It says, so then faith comes by hearing. How does faith come? And hearing by the word of God. What are we listening to? The word of God. It says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want faith? Hear the word. When you walk into this place and you hear the word come forth from the pulpits, that's the word of God. It's the word of God. And it is building our faith. Prayerfully, this morning, your faith is being built. Your faith is being made strong. Why? Because there's some things that this morning that have, that have reassured you. That reassurance that yes, that yes, God is at work in my life. Yes, God didn't forget me. Yes, God, these things are going to come to pass. Uh, uh, all of this prayer, all of this time serving God, it is not in vain. God has great things up ahead. All those individuals that I pray for, I will see them get saved. I will see that healing. I will see that restoration. I will see it in Jesus' name. See, the word has the power to change your life. Do you believe that? That God's word has power to change your very life. It's already changed your future. Whether you believe that or not, when you accept Christ into your heart, I know sometimes it's hard for you to believe about after this life because you like to see and then believe. But when you accept Christ into your heart, know that this also has now affected your future. God's word has the... Has changed your life forever. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. 1 Peter 1.23 says the word of God lives and abides forever. Forever. The word of God is living, yes, but it's going to live forever too. There's no end to the word of God. It doesn't have an expiration date. Isaiah 55, verse 11, as our worship team comes forward this morning. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So is my word that goes out from my mouth, that it will not return to me empty. Oh, jeez. 
I love that verse. I love that verse. It will not return to me empty. The Bible says, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I send it. You need to give God praise for that. You need to give God praise because his word is alive. His word is powerful. His word is at work in your life right now. Then when you speak it, you are speaking life. You are speaking life over your life. You are speaking life over your home. You are speaking life over your marriage. You are speaking life over your circumstances. You are speaking life over your children. You are speaking life over your grandchildren. You are speaking life over this ministry. You are speaking life. Why? Because God's word is alive, church. It's alive. And the Bible says, God says, that everything that I have set out to do, everything my word has been set out to do, it is going to be accomplished. It's going to be done. I didn't read the part where it said, unless we're in a recession. Unless they raise taxes on you. Dang, God can't work. <laughs> Sorry, but you're on your own. God's word doesn't say that. Unless, unless, you, unless you get really sick, unless you lose this or lose that. Now the Bible says that God's word, as it goes forth, it's going to accomplish whatever it has set out to accomplish. It's gonna do it. It's gonna do it. And you need to speak those living words over your life. They're alive and powerful. They're alive and powerful. The next time you receive bad news, you need to speak great news over your life. You need to speak God's word over your life. Say, you know what? No, enemy, I'm not going to receive this. Why? Because I hold on to the living truth upon my life. I hold on to life. I hold on to, to my faithful God who is with me that even though I may go through this storm, I'm not going through it alone. That he is going to strengthen me. That he is going to equip me to come out victorious. That even if I have to go through that blazing furnace, I will not even be scathed will not even smell of smoke because my God is with me. Second Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete that the man and woman of God may be complete what does that word mean to you what does that word complete mean to you I see complete as lacking nothing lacking nothing without needing anything else because you're complete 
there are, there's no other definition of complete besides having everything that you need. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this is what God wants for you and I, church. Church, he wants us to prosper. And not just for ourselves. Not just to try to keep to ourselves, but to bless others. God prospers us so that in turn we can prosper others. What he has given to you can also be used for someone else. It is intended to be used for someone else as well. See, God wants you to prosper, church. But in order to prosper, you need the presence of the Lord. And in order to have the presence of the Lord, you must obey. And in order to obey, you must have faith. In order to have faith, you need God's word. You need to hear God's word. And thank you, Jesus, that we are hearing that this morning. Let's give God praise again. Let's give him praise, church. Give him praise like you mean it. Give him praise like he saved your life. Give him praise like you were heading towards death and he gave you life. Give him praise like he broke those chains of sin. He broke those chains of bondage in your life and gave you freedom. Give him praise this morning. Give him praise for he is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. He alone is worthy of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Great are you, Lord. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. 